Well, we are back, and uh, I guess it's almost like the Matt and Joe show now. The Matt and so, Joe show. Yeah. It's a good name for a show. Yeah. I mean, I really they're, like they're, I'm sure we come up with something more creative at some point. Like tagline, yeah. slogan, yeah, catchy jingle. Like yeah, exactly. So Matt and Joe works just fine. Yeah. So anyways, um, so there's words of wisdom that I've been putting together. Phrases you hear that have very few words that rock your world. And it's like the, the, the fewest words and the, and the heaviest impact. And one of them I saw, it was on Facebook, and I added it to mine. I added a, the second piece to mine. What I saw on Facebook was, uh, what you don't change, you choose. And the piece that I added to it was, even silence is a choice. So if you, you say, well, I'm just going to ignore that and act like it didn't happen, or you're going to ignore that and pretend it's not really there, then you still made your choice that you're accepting what it is that is that. So do you want to add something to that? Yeah. Um, I'm Another way that I look at it, when, when you brought that up, one of the very first things I thought of is silence is acceptance. It's, it, it, silence is, a tr- is an action, in my opinion. Um, and then acceptance is also, it, it's also an action saying, I'm okay with this, what's going on. And I think it... It involves every aspect of your life, whether whether it's business, whether it's a personal life, a domestic situation, whatever it is. It, whatever you, if you want to change something and you don't change it, that is an action. Um, and I and I think there's so many different areas that it touches. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about the silence piece, I mean, your your mouth moving and words coming out of your mouth is movement. Right. Right. So you've made the choice not to move Correct. or not to act. Right by not using your mouth, so I mean you can break it down as stupid as you want. Yeah, you know it's just like you didn't say anything. Right. No, and and I think there's a lot of different reasons that people don't. I think um, depending on the scenario, I I know with I know with you know in my case in business most of the time, most of, most of the inaction by companies comes from, hey we haven't done this and we're still we're still doing okay we're still doing good we're still making money. The problem with that is is every decision, taking it from a professional angle, every decision that you don't make, that we don't make for my organization, that I don't make for my companies, my life, whatever it is, is being made by a corporation that's not me. Or, But it's still being made. Right. If you stop paying attention and you don't pay attention to the decisions of going right or left, or, right. or I always say one of the other ones I have on my, on my list is – when you come to the fork in the road, choose the harder path. Correct. You know? I agree with so that. So it's like, but you can't just stand there in paralyzed of deciding whether you're right or left and go, you know what? I'm just going to stand here. Because then 30 years goes by yep. and you're going to wake up one day going, how the fuck did it get here? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because either way, whether you decide or not decide, it's still happening. It doesn't stop moving without you. It doesn't. And and I, it's funny you mentioned that because I remembered a um, a scene from Goodwill Hunting where Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in the bar, and there's this blonde haired, you know, really smart kid at Harvard, and he's talking some smack to Ben Affleck, who's a construction worker in the movie, and the ar- the argument that was being made was. You know, the gentleman would come in and just regurgitate all of the books he read on everything. And one of the points he made was one day when you're 70 years old, you're going to wake up and you're going to start doing some thinking on your own. Well, you're going to wake up at 70 at some point and start making decisions. And then at that point, you've got 
all this time before where you just did absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I mean, there's, I totally understand the aspect of, you know, being paralyzed by the choices that you have in front of you. I understand that completely. I mean, every, oh, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Like, I mean, it's not fucking easy. No, and and I I look at it from from a entrepreneurial angle. From a you know, I live in North Carolina. I used to live in New York City. I I look at it from a lot of different angles. But there's a little bit once you start making the decisions, you're excited. But you're excited about the unknown of the outcome. It doesn't become fear anymore. Yeah. It becomes. Wow, what could be next if I make this decision that's really hard or really scary or whatever it is? Right. But you have to make the first choice. Oh yeah. And and that's the thing that I think would really help people open up to things because you know, I'll give you I'll give you an example. You know, my my admin manager came out to me today and she she said to me, You're on a roll this week. I'm like, What do you mean? She's like, You're you're just you're just kicking ass and taking names this week. And I'm like, the things that have gone sideways this week's this week are the things that come down to what's our philosophy? What's the professional philosophy that we have? What's the philosophy that I instilled in everybody that everyone knows that the decisions that they're making this week are not following that particular bouncing ball? So if I sit there and I say absolutely nothing about it, I am telling them what you're doing is the right way to do it. Yeah, and then no, they're exactly. they're at that moment. The minute I'm, I make that statement, their actions are on me, or their inaction no, is on me, hundred percent. Yeah, and is is that is that fair? Do do what people say to me? Oh, you need people that that do the things that you tell them to do based upon the book. I'm like, yes, but people are also human beings, right. and they're, they're going gonna, they're they're going to see how much rope you're going to give them. Yeah. And when it comes to our our philosophical pillars, you're not getting off that. Not 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 on my watch. I mean, that's my yeah. two cents on that. Well, it was so interesting because I remember being in corporate meetings, you know, back in my old world. Yeah. You know, 15, geez, like 15 the stuffy, years ago. The stuffy nature. You know, and it's like everybody would like, you know, does everybody have anything to add or like, does anybody have any questions or whatever? And right. then there's the one guy that goes, well, how about this? And it's some dumbass question that they already have already answered. Right. And it drags on and drags on. Yep. But for the most part, they would like ask anybody if they had any other thing to say or any other opinions and everybody would just sit there quietly. Right. And then you leave the meeting and three days later you're going, oh, motherfuckers, like they changed this. Right. right. I'm like, they just asked you about they that. They just you asked say you. say a word. Well, and I think what's interesting about that, you know, if you, if you put almost like office sort of sitcom spin on it, you know, everybody's everybody's seen the office at least once. But you know, Michael walks out of the room and then the meeting starts. Well, Michael was leading the meeting. What's going yeah. on here? And so at that point, that's where it falls on. Have you taught your people? Have you taught the people around you from your chair that it doesn't matter what you say because nothing's going to actually change or nothing's going to actually be different? And then it becomes inaction on another person that's teaching the people that are in this meeting that you may have opinions, but keep them to yourself because nothing's going to change. Yeah. And at that point, you have a choice to make. Are you going to be the loudest person in the room? Or are you going to kind of follow along that trend that someone else sort of created? Yeah. You know, and I, and I think the the difficulties, I think, in life when it comes to making decisions is, it's really, really, really. If you're a comfort person, 
making tough decisions is not is not for you. I don't think, in my opinion. I know so many people in my life that got really, really comfortable. And they said, why am I going to go make a decision that's got risk attached to it? My life right, is really I'm, comfortable. I'm good. I got, I got my TV. I got, I, got my exactly. new, I got my car. I got the house. You know, I even got a PlayStation for Christmas. Like, I, I, don't, I don't knock anyone personally for that. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea. And it's not the people that I – my circle, it's not their cup of tea either. And I think that's wildly important. Um, you know, having, having a circle that kind of extends your values further. I think um, one of the things I've done is really start to notice, like, I love all of my friends. Yep. I love all the ones I had 10 years ago. Yep. I love all the ones I have now. But you start to figure out, you know, who you can be around and how long. Correct. And when. Yep. Right? Like, there's nothing wrong with these people. And a buddy of mine the other day, he was like, we fought, we met up, we had a beer or whatever. He goes, man, I feel like I, I feel like we had, I hadn't seen you. And, and, like, I started to think, like, maybe we weren't, like, there was something wrong and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, and I, I told him, I was like, dude, I was like, I'm going to be straight with you. Right. I was like, I am moving forwards, and I love you as a person. I love you as a buddy. Like, you're always been my buddy. Right. But you're not doing anything to help yourself. Right. Right? Like, you're staying where you're at. It can be frustrating to watch. That's and, all. Hell. Right. And I was like, I need people that when I'm in a, in a rough place that are going to reach their hand down and pull me out of the fucking yep. mud, not you and I go sit in the mud together and go wallow around. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, that's not what I need. No. It's dark enough doing entrepreneurship anyways. Right. Let alone going back into the mud with somebody else. It's that misery loves company thing. Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong. It does. And if you're not careful, you wind up there almost organically. You like you have no idea how you got there. It's like somebody teleported you, yeah. beat me down, Scotty. That whole thing. It's like you don't know how you got there. Now you're now you're there, and and I think that's why so many people, so many really successful people say, if if you want to be successful in life, surround yourself with people that are more successful than you. Yeah, you know. Never, I always say that don't don't be the don't be the big fish in the no, pond. No. You know, you, you don't have anything to work up to. My dad said that when uh, I was telling him how much my rent was here. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was, like, you know, fighting hard to, like, make it and all this right. kind of stuff. And he goes, well, maybe you should go back and work out of your house for a while again. I was like, but that's working backwards. Right. I'd rather, like, figure out how to make it where I'm Right. At. You already know how to work in your house. Right. You already know. Right. I've done that. Exactly. That was... That was that was six years ago. You know, it, it's... Right? Fu- like, I would rather work up to something yeah. and get my ass kicked right. than like, get there. You know, it's it's funny. I, I one of the one of the things that I think that we talked about just before this that plays really really well into this discussion is we we've reached an opportunity where we are going to get into developing um, you know concepts to have you know anywhere from you know six to twelve of you know local copies of my organization in major metropolitan areas, North Carolina, South Carolina. And I had the discussion with, with several people, and, and the first five, the problem that I had with them was the very first thing that they said was, you have to limit what you do in order to control quality. And I said, you're not the person. Because what they are used to growing or expanding is a a one-stop shop i.e a local version of a starbucks or a local version of a of a um 
of a of a, even a paint shop where all they do is paint right, right. or whatever it is. They're not their mind does not work in a way that says, okay, we've got we've got seven people here that are in management and operations that allow this organization to operate this way. We basically need a carbon copy of these seven people in every single location. That's what we need. Do we need to streamline some things and fine tune some things from a software standpoint, things like that? Yes. But when your original, when your origin statement to me is we need to change the concept, no. I mean, and, and it wasn't a hesitation. There wasn't a question about it. I didn't, I didn't get into the idea of developing this concept in a way that can, that can volume grow yeah. to change what got us here. Right. You know, well, that's the whole thing with mine. Like, it's, it's a vision. Right. And everybody's like, well, why don't you just go back and do this? Why don't you just go back and, like, throw this in there? And I was like, but that's not me. That's not no. what I'm building. That's, no. not, that's not what kept my, kept my passion and my drive going. You work too hard make, to make it a gimmick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's the details. Yep. I would say, like, the beauties and the details. Yep. I remember back when I uh, first got my intake forms printed. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, why are you paying for color intake forms? Right. And I was like, because they, they look better. Right. Right? Like, I mean, it's at some you know, point, and now it's, at some point it's my simple. colored blue logo instead of this black and white, yep. you know, half-assed logo on my intake form. Yep. They see that. They do. And they see my business card with that same logo on it. They see my sign on the front with right. like, that same color on it. Right? Like It's branding. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, and you have to, you have to make the branding. It's again, it's a choice. There are, I'll give you an example. We had a, um, who was it? We had a, we had a T, I think it was a t-shirt company, the company that made all of our t-shirts. And we literally got approached by a company that spent a couple more, that charges a couple more dollars a shirt, but they knew how to represent themselves. They knew how to brand themselves. They made a choice to say, well, we make branding products. The best way to promote what we do is to show that we can do it for ourselves. No, exactly. If they can't do it for themselves. And again, there are five, there are no less than 500 graphic design companies that don't have a website, don't have a Google that, that still pay for Yellow Pages ads, those kinds of oh, things. Yeah. It's crazy. They're making a choice to, and then they're going, what's frustrating to me is then they're going to complain that they don't have business or there's too much competition. I'm like, you've got no right to 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 complain about a, a war that you haven't even chosen to get into. Right, you haven't adapted to the world that you're, no. the, the, the game that, we're, that everybody's playing but, right now. But they're going to whine about it. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, you know, example... Behind my building, we have a um, a domestic. There's a domestic facility behind mine, and there's no direct road access to them. They don't market. They don't brand. They don't print anything. There's no way for you to know they're there. And we get five to eight people a week trying to find come them. and say, "Do you do you know where they do you know where these people are?" And I'm like. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the building next door to us and then you take a right and you go back behind the building down the dark alleyway, you'll find them there. But these are these are the people that, you know, complain to the landlord of the building, we can't pay rent. Well, you can't pay rent because you're choosing not to let people know who you are, what you do. Is it a sign plate? Like a, or what are they it's, a, it's a domestic 
uh, tire place. Okay. They do they do tires, and it's like you're making the choice to go out of business. Right. Like you're making right. a choice. You literally decided that. Right. You, know. you decided by by not investing your money back into the company. I'm deciding to go out of business. People look at me when I tell them that, and like I'm crazy. And I'm like, they're like, no, why would I want that? And I'm like, you're doing everything you can to make right. it happen. Right. Whether whether you want to look at it as so you're doing everything you can to make it happen or you're just not doing anything at all and right. it's going to happen. Right. It's still fucking, it's, 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 it's going to happen either it's, way. Exactly. You know, I, I ran into, I very, very seldom on, on a weekly basis get into um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, direct client calls, sales calls. And I got into one of this week is a, a close, you know, cross personal, um, professional client. And I, I got involved because there was a warranty company that he has and he was really, really concerned about being, you know, turned down by his warranty company for a repair that he needed. That's going to wind up being somewhere around $12,000 on a BMW 4 Series. Oh, wow. And basically, it's got a, you know, every motor's got a crankshaft in it. It's it's surrounded by bearings. BMW had a problem with the N55 motor as far as the bearings go. They've since they've since fixed it, but there's a slew of cars on the road with the problem. Um, long story short, I said, okay, let me let me kind of lead this this thing instead of having one of my one of my really, really, really capable um um, sales associates do it for me. I said, okay, let me get involved with this. So, um, got involved, talked to a, um, a, a warranty adjuster, and he started asking me all the very normal questions that you get when you call your insurance agent and you talk to an insurance adjuster or when you think, talk to a warranty. It's, well, what else is wrong with the car? What did you do to it? What? How long was the client driving on it before he brought it in? He was asking all the questions to find an exit out of responsibility to cover right. the cover yeah. the repair. And I, and I said, I immediately stopped and I said, listen, I understand you have a job to do. I have no problem with that. Your job is to spend a little, as little as your, of your company's money as you possibly can. I have a job to do, and that is to advocate for my client. That's my sole responsibility in this conversation. Your first five questions are a hundred percent motivated by your company's desire to pay to make a profit on this warranty that was sold for four thousand dollars, and you know in the first thirty seconds this is going to be more than a four thousand dollar claim, so your your boss is going to be pissed. Yeah. But we've got a warranty that covers every one of the components that are bad. So I need to talk to a supervisor now. I got a supervisor, and about 36 seconds later, we had a claim opened. We had a supervisor saying to me directly, we don't do what you do. We warranty cars. We don't fix them. We don't have the engineering capability to do the job. To, to I'm sorry, to know what's wrong with the car, let alone to do it. Yeah. So... We're going to send out an inspector. We want you to talk to him. And I said, here's what I want from you. I want you to deal with me directly on this, supervisor to supervisor, directly. No minutia, no bullshit. You know what's covered. The claim is open. You know what I need to do to tell you which item started the explosion-like issue with the motor. 
let's get this done. We had three conversations today. The insurance, the warranty adjuster is coming out tomorrow. This will probably be agreed upon by Friday. Had I followed the bouncing ball with this warranty company, following the steps that they wanted me to follow, we'd be here for three weeks. Oh, I'm sure. And because the philosophies were nowhere near the same. You know, a manager's role is to make sure my client, who's actually their client, because they paid them. I didn't pay him. My client did. Right. They, he bought the warrant. Right. And and that's and that's one of those things that whether it's me being the advocate or the warranty company running by the philosophy of our goal is profit on every warranty, those are two choices. Whether they see it, their philosophy is a choice or not. If they lose clients because of their philosophy on their warranties, they're making the choice to lose clients. Yeah. You know, if, if I allow our, a job to go through the warranties company's procedure in, in an arena where I don't think it should go that way, three weeks later when the client's mad at me, I've made a choice for the client to be upset with me. Right. It's... You know, everything in business is a choice, in my opinion. You could have sent him going, yo, that's not my business. It's right. your warranty company. Right. You know, you have to set it all up. Exactly. Like that. Let me know when you guys are ready to do business, and I'll, and I'll do the work for you. Right. And there's and people that are out that there. Way. I mean, there's companies out there that do that. And, you know, I look at people all the time, and there's companies out there, and if you Google it, you know who they are. But in my own industry, which is niche I mean, there's probably six reasonable ones within a 200 mile direction either anyway that are really good at what they do there are competitors of ours that will say that's not on us well no shit but you're making a choice at that point because they're going to go find somebody to do it right so they still need to have it done right the minute you say to them look the warranty company is not our business it's your responsibility your name's on it you paid the money you're saying please go give the work to somebody else. That's all you're saying. Right. And I, don't, I don't want your business. No. And no one no one wants to hear the, and this is a choice too in my opinion, no one wants to hear the negative connotation of the way they've either decided to tell their people to do it or the way the people actually do the work. Because it all depends on how you look at it. If you look at it as in the ends justify the means, fine. But you also have to then accept the co-truth, which is when that client leaves and has someone else advocate for them, you've made the choice for your you've made the choice to verbally tell your client, go find someone that's gonna advocate for you. I mean, that's insanity. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. You know, because it's so easy. They're, they're gonna go somewhere. Yep. And it's that whole thing coming back to like the review thing. Yep. People don't tend to not leave good reviews yeah. unless you come straight out and ask for a good right. review. But they're sure as hell within a second. Oh, oh boy. Man, they're going to either post a review yep. or they're going to tell everybody. Everybody. Everybody that they know, come in contact with. And and it's what I find the most interesting is, you know, people have a hard time, you know, admitting, especially, you know, in my chair, we've gotten bad reviews. Yeah, we've had one or two that I don't like. We've had a couple that don't make me super thrilled. Majority of them, yeah, we're we're fortunate, and and I think why we're very good has little to nothing to do with the work that we do. 
you know, we did a, a $12,000 um, engine rebuild on a B8 Audi that came out marvelously that Instagram just lost its shit over. I mean, I think like 2,000 people have been all gaga over it now. Um, the point is, is that in that specific environment, yes, that's something that the work is the story. When it comes to oil changes or brakes or transmissions or whatever, very run-of-the-mill sort of stuff that nobody gets excited about, the story has nothing to do with the work. Yeah. The story has to do with my admin manager, Melissa. You know, let's talk about her for a minute. We could suck at working on your car, but you remember Melissa because that, that's what you write about. You know, when when we had a we had a client come in today and for the first time in a long time – Client was like, hey, look, I'm in sales. You guys are very, very good at what you do. Make sure you give me a link to your reviews so we can so I can write one. Now that's a guy that gets it. That's someone that right. understands how important reviews are, both good and bad. And that's not every client. But then you get a client, you know, like I had this morning, and his biggest concern was the fluids that were going in his 2017 Porsche Cayenne, the V6 SUV. He said, what fluids are going in the car? I'm very, very sensitive to the fluids. He was very concerned about it. And there's a decision that I made when I switched from our old oil company to Motul that I liked about them because they got the certifications for their products from the manufacturers of the vehicles. I love that. And we posted them on the walls. And people said to me, why are you going to take up this much wall space with all these approval sheets? And I'm like, one person is going to walk in the building and fluids are going to be his thing. They're going to be his wild rabbit that he's concerned yeah. about. And the minute that he says that, and I was—I remember I was sitting in my office about, my office is about 300 feet from the front counter. And it was very early, so there wasn't a lot going on yet. And I heard the question, and I got up, and I walked my ass 250 feet to our lobby. And I said, these nine apply to your car. Because guess what? It's that's the point of doing it. I made a choice a year and a half ago that was for that one person over there. Could I have told him the story without those on the wall? Sure. Yeah. But that was the, he had never met me. He had never heard my voice. He had no reason to take my word from anybody else's. Well, here it is on the wall from Porsche, written in German. Neither one of us can understand it. And signed by signed by a, signed by a doctor with nineteen uh, consonants in his name and three vowels. Well, you know what? That's pretty German, and you know it's, it's right pretty there. official. Right, it's right there. And, and it's right there, and they can read it. And and the logos it means something to people of the people that 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 is important to them. Me, I love having things that are meticulously organized. Of course, yeah. Right, so. You could have still dug out or like went through your filing yeah. cabinet to find these certificates yeah. that were on your wall. But in that same time, he's going, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's this like, all right, are you going to find them? Like, right, they, exactly. You can't even find the damn thing. Right. Like, you want to trust you. Right. But you can walk out there and go, look, right here. Yeah, exactly. There and, they are. You know, and it, was, and it was funny. You know, he he asked, you know, someone asked him when we, when we put them on the wall. We got we found these and Amazon is, is gonna get a shout out on this too. But went on Amazon and I wanted really minimalist frames for the sheets. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I found what they call floating wall frames. So they have four little um, aluminum 
posts that are about yay big in each corner. Okay. And literally, there's no frame on it. The only thing you need to be looking at is what's in this box. And it's covered in hard plastic. You want to know what that means? It means it's important. To who? I don't know. But it's important to everyone that asks a question. It's important to – there's people that legitimately – you can read three words on it because you know it's it's most of it's in some sort of sort of German or German English translation that isn't great. So what they care about is wow that's from Porsche, wow that's from BMW. Yeah, that's all they care about. Right. They just don't want an oil company making the decision of what oil should go in their car. Compare the same thing with drug companies. Right. Of course. You know, it's the same shit. You're yeah. Like here, trust us, because like you know, we're not really in it for the money. Right. Like, guys, know, put guys. put the stuff in your body and be fine. Right. Promise. Exactly. Promise. But here, here's the here's the 359 side effects you're gonna have in the next three days. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. That fluid or like the, having that cer- certificate there and knowing that what they're getting in their in their vehicle, they spend a lot of money on. Sure. Right. You're not, you're not working on cars that are like you know. Twenty, thirty thousand. No, I mean that was. I mean that was a sixty-seven thousand dollar SUV. Right. I mean he's right to have concerns about it. And one of my favorite conversations is the what I call the forty thousand mile client. Each brand has got a diff, slightly different end of life maintenance warranty package, but it's usually around forty thousand miles where that ends because the client becomes a free agent. I made a choice almost three years ago, to design this organization for that particular client. A lot of my competitors design their facilities based upon their competition. So how far are you going to choose to go? Like if every one of your competitors says, well, it's a lot less money to work out of a, out of a, a abandoned Jiffy Loop than it is in my own, than in my own built building, is that the move you're going to follow, or are you going to do? Are you going to have some opinion on your own on the matter and make the choice to build for what you're trying to achieve? Right. And I look at that and I'm like, these are the reasons that our floor is white. I'm an, I'm a lunatic. I own a facility where we go through hundreds of thousands of gallons of fluid a year, and our floor is white. People ask me, why are you nuts? And I'm like, I'm not nuts. The point is, what do you think about? What does the average person think about of an independent facility? Yeah, just, floor is an absolute disaster. Yeah, you don't want to like even walk your no. like have your shoes on it no. because you're just going to get in your car. Your car exactly, or, like, anything like that. And I again, it's it it's a choice. I I could have sat there and said whatever happens happens, but I said no. This is an opportunity. Right. You know, everyone else's facilities, their floor. It's like I work at a shop. What do you want? My hands are greasy. I work on cars. What do you want? Well, all my guys wear nitro gloves when they work on cars because their hands are going to be clean. And my floor is white. So when it's clean, which is all the time, it looks like and shows like it's clean. Makes right. for some awesome pictures too. Right, but but think about sorry to interrupt, no. but like the to me because obviously you've been in my space yeah. here. Like what I see, if I approve mm-hmm. of the aesthetic, right, of the pristine aesthetic of my facility. Yep, I'm obsessive over it. Yeah, and um, it sounds like you're yeah. in that same boat, right? Is that if you're looking at your facility 
at the highest aesthetic, the highest level you can possibly imagine. Right. And anybody else comes in, not even competitors, but like customers, mm -hmm. come in, they're like, whoa, this is like, you blew me away. Yeah. Because this is what I expected. At right. All. Right. And you like, haven't done anything yet most you of the time. You haven't even touched them. Yeah. No. That's why I always talk about, like, um, in medicine so much, mm -hmm. we focus so much on what we do to people. Right. And not the facility, not the atmosphere and the environment that we're helping right. this person in. Yep. Right? You look That's at, huge. You look at, um, you go to a children's hospital. Right. And it's all about toys and colors and happiness and yep. joy and all these things. And you walk into an adult hospital. Yep. Or whatever. And it's drab. Yeah. It's brown. It's, 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 it's just, death. Yeah. And I'm like, why did it have to change from that to yeah. that? Why do we care now as, as children? Right. For, for children. To like give them some sort of peace or some sort of like colors that elicit some sort of joy or like. Well, know, there's also fun. with children's hospital. It's a great. It's a great example. It, it there's a certain level of we want this child in that to provide as much normalcy. Well, when you're kids, you have toys. When you're kids, you watch cartoons. When you're kids, you have right. all these things available to you. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. I'm a, I'm an adult, but I mean, I go home and watch football. I mean, I go watch I go watch sitcoms and and go out and have like coffee and things of that nature. I'm not saying go to the hospital and have coffee if you're not supposed to have coffee, but it's there's such a disconnect uh, on that uh, on that point. It's an excellent point. I mean, there is no carryover from a children's hospital to an adult hospital. There isn't. Yeah, I went there. My my dad was in the hospital. He had he had his third stroke. Mm -hmm. and they were checking okay. out his heart and stuff like yeah. that. And they, they said to go down there, wait for him to come out of surgery. Mm -hmm. So my girlfriend and I walked down there. I'm sitting in this waiting room, and the t there's not a soul watching no. the TV. TV's on, but there's like not a single. There's mm -hmm. there's four or five people hanging out. They're all yeah. on their phones or whatever. Nobody's watching the TV. Yeah, the TV is so obnoxiously loud, with some crazy talk show on. Everybody's like yelling back and forth at each other and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I I went up to her and I was like, I don't watch TV anyway. Right. But for God's sakes, I was like, we're supposed to be in a healing environment. Right, right. Turn some fucking music on or yeah, something. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's... like, you have a talk show on where people screaming at each other. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're, like, waiting for my dad to survive. Right. And, right? Like, I don't need to listen to that. One of the interesting things I just thought about is how weird is it? And I, I don't, off the top, in this moment, know what the purpose is exactly. But think about when you're a, a child in children's hospitals like you brought up. And then think about nursing homes. Yeah. The good ones. I don't mean the ones that, you know, nothing's been changed in 20 years so it looks, you know. I mean, think about the really good nursing homes. It's like, we care about you. We care about your experience when you're a child. And we care about your experience when you're when, when you're on your way out. Right. But the time in between, oh, just deal with it. It's life. Right. It's like, oh yeah, I don't get it. I don't like, get it I, either. I um, so much of my stuff is colorful and yeah. and it's futuristic and yeah. it, and it's minimalist and it's simple, right? It's and very I, Star and, Trek. Yeah. Well, I love it. Like yeah. I, I'm so fucking tired of of this drabby bullshit past that we live in. I was like, we have the 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 technology and we have the the means yep. and the resources to like. We're still building these fucking vanilla ass houses that have. Like, are we in the future yet? Right. Like, well, and it's like, one of the things. On it's one of the things that I love about this particular area, though. But because if you go in the back in these neighborhoods, 
you have these really old houses yeah. that people have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in keeping up or renovating. This area for homes is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, I love, I love, so like that, I'll say, I'm going to say it this way to balance out like the future and the past mm-hmm. for me, right? Is that I love glass and metal and yep. concrete and like cold hard surfaces. Yep. But here's the thing that's missing is that where the fuck did the acoustics go? Right, right, exactly. Right? You go to all these bars and these restaurants and stuff like that, and they're like, cool, you're, you're modernized your, your atmosphere. But now you can't hear the person you went to dinner with. No, that's exactly what You're I, just uh, bouncing around and bouncing around. I'm like, what, what? And I'm like, I don't get that. I was having a conversation. It's beautifully brought that up. I was having a conversation with a business contact about going to a bar for a meeting. Like, let's have some drinks, let's have a snack, and let's figure out what we're going to do. And his first question to me was, what bar can we go to where we can actually hear each other talk? Yeah. First question. Right. Because he lives in, I live, he lives in North Hills. I live in Briar Creek. Well, every bar, the, every bar in there has been mass produced 3,000 times. It's all chains. Right. You know, there's very few. There's a couple in, in North Hills. But the, that's an excellent point because, I mean, there's, there's almost nowhere you can go now, you know, for, wow, this looks great, but it sounds like crap. Right. You know, I mean, they got what, loudest music. So nobody yeah. like I've been around DJs and stuff that mm-hmm. like too, but like, people don't read the room. No. It's not no. about the environment at all. It's no. all about like, you know, I'm just going to play it as loud as I'm going to play it because, right. you know, we went to this place one time and there he was like playing as if he had a thousand people in front yeah. of him. Yeah. And there was 12 people in the Yeah. Floor. I'm like, dude, like I'm not going to stay here. No. But I'm also not I see it's one of those things for me. I'm not going to knock you Going out and being prepared, but I am going to knock you for having one display for every single environment. That's a problem. Yeah. You're an entertainer. If you're a DJ, you're an entertainer. If you're, I mean, pretty much every position in every industry, there's some sort of entertainment value there. There should be. It's my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing in in, uh, in December is we're completely renovating our you know client interaction areas completely from floors to walls to lowering ceilings i mean a bazillion things and spending a boatload of money and one of the reasons for me is that i said the lobby this this customer interaction area does not represent what we do it doesn't represent the philosophies we carry it doesn't represent the the quality in which we do things I made a decision. I said, yes, I took a non-hard, cold, rough thing in terms of philosophy, uh, in terms of um, what represents us. That's an, that's an emotional response yeah. and brought it to something very, very cold and hard and analytical because there's a certain flow that people like. You know, people walk in, are they confused about where they, where they go? When people walk in on a cold day, is the floor warm and inviting without being carpet like right. everyone see carpet everywhere how do you do it well how do you get how do you get you know for example one of the stupid one of the one of the simplest things we had a conversation about what we we're going to put on the floor and it went from you know hardwoods linoleum this that the other thing i'm like i want to provide the look and feel and the comfort of um of wood because everybody loves wood, everybody loves it. But I want to do it in a way that allows whatever dynamic that comes into play, clean it up in five seconds, make it nice, make it look good, no matter what happens. 
Well, they make wood tile now. They make tile that looks like wood. And I said, boom, done. And these. Oh, yeah, the long plank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it looks it like it's identical. It doesn't break. I mean, you could throw it off a building. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and I look at it and I say, how are you going to choose? I could have allowed that that carpet, that floor. We could have vacuumed it once a week for the rest of my natural life. And no one would have said a thing about it. Right. For me, that's a problem. If you're not talking about some part of what we do, we have failed in that particular aspect because we haven't given you a reason to talk about it. Right. I want to create a conversation about everything that we do. I want to put it out there. You know, someone looked at the design for the lobby and the change of the doors and the walls and everything else. They're like, wow, you're kind of going very Apple with this. I'm like, yeah, and mo- and most people like that. As long as you don't go super, 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 you know, Star Trek-y, if you will, where it feels right. very, very medicinal, if you will. So, right. you know, for, for us, it's how do we look around around what's going on and say if you come from the dealer at 40,000 miles where that's everything that you've known and you walk in here you're not going to feel a culture shock right. from from that environment it's a choice who am I who is my number one target if you're going to grow and succeed you have to keep replenishing well, your base too, they're, they're like moving into the future mm-hmm. but the future isn't going to stop no no. doesn't just go, you know what? I know you like where you're at. Yeah. We're just going to pause the fucking world yep. and say, like, you know, it's fine. You can go ahead and you can keep the way you want. Yep. You know, someone made a point earlier, like Kodak and Blockbuster and mm-hmm. these guys. They had great companies at yep. one point. Yep. They're not a fucking company anymore. No. Because they didn't adapt. Well, and the whole thing you was... you gotta, you got to play the game. you got to move into the future. I, I'm sure you've seen it on Facebook. You know, uh, Netflix didn't kill Blockbuster. Outrageous... Um, Charges did when you were late returning a tape. Oh, yeah. um, what was it? Uh, Airbnb didn't kill hotels. Um, not having enough flexibility and prices did. You know, and and the point is, is that when it comes down to it, every industry's got that particular story. They're not as all as dramatic as what happened to those organizations, but we have it too. I mean, you have it in your business. We have it. We have it in our industry. You have a choice about where you're going to fall in. You know, yeah. what what seat of the chair do you want? You know, one of the questions that's asked at the NFL Combine all the time is if you're on a bus going to Alaska, where are you sitting on the bus? And it's asked the guys that are going to be wind up in leadership positions. And there is a rhyme and a reason to the particular question. But I had it explained to me at some point um, not too long ago. and it, And it's an interesting dynamic because – Front of the bus, middle of the bus, back of the bus, underneath the bus. Where are you going to be? And and the point is, is that what what they're asking you to do is they're asking you to say, if things go sideways on the bus in Alaska, because Alaska has got some terrain out there. Oh yeah. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that handles it? Do you want to be the one that follows the guy that's handling it? Do you want to be the guy that wants to blend in and not? Hey, don't look at me. I'm just here. Right. And I think as as sideways as that is, every single person in your position, in my position, and as kind of like the captains of your of your life, whoever it is, where do you want to be on the bus? Yeah. Do you do you want to shut up and let the bus drive you? 
or do you want to get in? If you want to kick the driver out of the driver's seat, kick him out the door and say, "Hey, I'm driving the bus." It's my fucking bus now. My bus. Yeah, and that's my whole thing. Yeah. Like I, I was tired of the massage industry. Yeah. Being like some of the stuff I see people post, other therapists, I'm like, oh my god, you guys want to be recognized by insurance and, and by science and all this stuff, right. but like, you can't wrap your head around like what you're saying isn't real. Right. Right. You've just created some fictional story that you're feeding your clients. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I want to be respected. Yep. For the job I do, and nothing was changing. Correct. Right. Nothing was changing. It was only, it was getting worse. Yeah. We went from like independent people mm-hmm. that cared. Right. To corporate. You know, you have massage envies, you got massage heights, you have hand and stone, yep. you have fucking you know, like I can go on and on and on, on and on. And it's the same product. Yep. Fifteen minutes on the on the table, you got five minutes to say hello, hi, my name's yep. jump on the table, da, 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 massage five minutes to go, okay. Take your time. I'll see you in a little bit. But what I really mean is I have somebody right after you. Right. Exactly. I have I have two minutes from the time I say goodbye to the time I have to say hello to the next person. Bingo. And and right. everybody's offering the same product. Well, product. right. And you know the difficulty that I have in in industries like that. Uh, most of your competitions that way. Most of my competitions that way. You can't even blame the people, because the structure is designed that that whether you're a, whether you have tables in a restaurant, if you own a restaurant chain and you have tables, you have to turn them so many times to make money. Yeah. The massage industry operates by the same financial construct as a Chili's. Yeah. That's, that's fucked up. Yeah. No, it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's fucked up. Me. It's crazy. Me. You're supposed to be healing people. Right. right. You're supposed to be caring for somebody. Yep. Right. But you are rushing them in. Yep. You are working on do 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 do, and like you're letting your people just tell them whatever the hell they want to tell yeah. them, right? That who fucking knows, right? Right, and then you are lying to them. I had to do it myself. I worked at I worked at one of the places. I'm not gonna throw mm-hmm. anybody under the bus. Yeah. I was there for six weeks. I gave it a shot. I went to see what it was all about. Yeah. I needed to make a little extra money, and I was like, "This is insanity." Yeah, I was like, "I have to hurry up." I I have four in a row. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me the fourth person I worked on. I haven't had a break yet. Yeah. Four hours. Yep. Minus maybe a time to go to the bathroom. Maybe. Yeah. And you're going to tell me that the fourth person is getting the same quality of service that the first person got? I mean, you can tell me that, but you're, you're lying. You're, you can't. It's a flat out lie. Yeah. It's 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 impossible. Even if the person that's doing the service says, yep. no, I, I, I hold myself to the standard yeah. I'm doing, you can't. Right. Right. I, don't I mean, lie it, to yourself. No. Don't lie to your customer. Don't lie to your don't don't lie to yourself. No. Like there is no way doing a physical thing. Yep. Right. You guys have tools. You have things, but yep. there's still a human interaction, sure. a human thing happening that you can get tired. You need yep. a break. Yep. Right. There has to be lag time between customers. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Like five minutes from saying goodbye to five minutes saying hello. Right, like, you, you can't do it. You can't do it efficiently. You can't do it properly, in my opinion. Right. And you're, and there, and then the customers going, you know, why are you late? Right. You know, there, there was a situation I heard uh, one of them where it was like, they do add-ons at mm-hmm. the desk when you check in. Yep. That adds ten minutes to the service prior to you. Sure. And now you're ten minutes late to your next session. Yep. And they're like, oh, so and so is running behind. Yeah. They wouldn't even tell the customer. Right. That they're the ones that made it behind. Exactly. 
They exactly. blame it on the therapist. Right. And now the therapist is going, well, now I have to, now I have to be the asshole. Well, well right. And because they I mean, the asshole. They're not, they're not dealing with the, um, the ill effects. You know, it was funny. I had a conversation with another warranty company. One, again, I won't throw anybody under the bus, but I'm overhearing a, a conversation from the adjuster and a client on, on speakerphone. And I just so happen to be, um, having a meeting up front, we have a conference room, so I overheard part of the conversation as I was done. And I heard the statement, yeah, replacing the cylinder head is one of the least expensive things you could have done on your car. You can just Google it. And I overheard it, and I, I walked out, and, and it was just, I was in one of those meetings that you knew I was someone in in, mm-hmm. in a position in, in at my company. So I said, can I, can I speak to this person? And they said, and they said yes, and I'm like, okay. The woman was obviously frustrated, and I, I, I introduced myself as a gentleman on the phone, and I asked him a very simple question. I said, "What is your role at your company, and what are you really good at?" And he didn't understand the question. And I said, "Tell me what your profession is. Tell me what role you fill." And he said, "I'm a customer service representative." And I said, "Okay, so I'm not a customer service representative, so I would never." try to dictate to you at a different company how you should do your customer service. However, telling a client something that is wildly inaccurate because your company doesn't want to stand behind its warranty in a way to help or make her feel better about the scenario, that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anything. Yeah. And because so you the, look like an asshole right. for one. Because at, the, like at the moment, your client doesn't care if it's $10 or $10,000. All she knows is she paid you money to have the items covered that you guys are saying no to covering. So she's angry. She's pissed off. You know, you telling her to Google something that you know full well isn't true is just going to further push her down the road of really fucking pissed off. Yeah. And there's absolutely no rhyme or reason for it. You want to help? You want to make a choice to help? Tell her what she can do. Maybe there's an add-on to the warranty that she doesn't have that she needs. Maybe there's someone else. I'm not saying, you know, go 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 get fired and go recommend that she goes to another company. But making the decision to lie to a client publicly in an effort to ease the pain of her having to pay a... $2,900 repair bill out of her own pocket when she already paid you $4,000 to cover that particular repair is not helping anybody. Right. And again, you had, you could not saying anything would have been a better choice than doing that. Right. But you had this, oh, I feel horrible, but I can't do anything about it because I'm not allowed to do anything about it by the people above me. So I want to say something that will make her feel better up till but not including the point she goes to get this actually fixed. And I'm like, guys, I, I you know, I can't fix every, I can't, I, I made the statement today after dealing with, with so many different things today. I can't fix every company. You know, I can go into a lot of companies and have philosophical, some philosophical control, financial control, whatever it is. There are so many organizations that fail to realize that 100% of their at-fault decisions are inaction. And that drives me batshit crazy. Yeah, they'd rather not do anything. Right. 
Right. Hey, my numbers are good. No one's no one's complaining on on the board. You know, all of our uh, you know uh, shareholders are making money. Everybody's happy. And I'm like, go back to that blockbuster quote. Everyone was happy about blockbuster until Netflix said, "Oh, we're ready," and now there's no more blockbuster. Right. It's like the organizations want to keep saying to themselves, "We're too big. We have too much money." We're too big to fail. One of the my, one of the most exciting things about this point, I think, in the history of the country, is there's so much innovation right now. Oh yeah, no, you can't you can't there's stop. There's so you wanna, much you innovation. You got to move, and it's it it's it's awesome. Yeah. Well, the beauty of the internet too is yeah. like these people that were too big to fail. Yep. Aren't too big to fail anymore. No. Because your customers can band together. Yep. Or lack thereof customers yep. band together and, and crush you. Yeah. Because you're not like, oh, I pissed a few people off in my little town. I'm yeah. like, no, like like the um some of the, the situations that happened where um that there was that plumber up in Ohio that chased this uh, black guy down in his car or whatever. And oh yeah. News. Yep. And then he was whining because his company went out of business. Right. And I was like, what the hell did you expect yeah. was going to happen? I mean, like, I mean, hey, it, there was a time where good. Where where P, any PR is good PR, that's no longer the case. There's people no. in jobs getting paid ludicrous amounts of money whose role it is to take information and spin that information into good PR. If all PR was good PR, those people would not have jobs. Yeah. Because bad PR is much worse now than it was 15, 20 years ago. Oh, my God. Huge. It, it can spread. Like, something like that goes mm-hmm. viral. Yeah, immediately. Like, like Immediate. Thousands of people have now seen yep. what you did and has now shared it. Yeah. And they've shared it and shared it and shared it and shared it. And now, like, this little bullshit thing that you thought you are going to get away with. Right. No. You're not yeah, going to get You're not. You're, and it's... It, I love it. I, I, I love it, too. Love it. I mean, I, I think... I hold it, myself to an extreme, extremely, probably an absurd, obsessed standard. Yes. Then I need to. Yep. But to me, it makes me happy. Well, and I agree with that. And I agree with that fact. I mean, I look at it where, you know, I look at it. I have it for myself. I have it for my staff. And every once in a while, every every quarter or so, I I go out in the middle of a of a room. I'm, I'm short, so I stand on something, and I I just I just remind people why I'm insane. And I remind them why that why I'm so insane because along with the ridiculously high standard I've always held for myself, you've got three kids and you've got a wife and you've got four kids or two kids or one kid and then a wife. And every single person that's associated close enough with every one of you people out here in front of me, if I slip off my standard and this goes downhill, I don't worry about me. I'm a-okay. I'm good. My, I think my insane standard goes a little, I don't know, Captain Insano from Happy Gilmore. Because if that happens, every one of the people that is employed by my organization and married to or in a relationship with or had kids with or their kids or whoever else they might be supporting also goes down with it. There's there's a certain huge fear factor involved there. If you give yeah. a shit, you know one of the things that one of the things that 
Gary Gary V said, and I like going back to him. He he asks, you know, why why do we why do you curse when you don't have to? You've probably oh, yeah. seen that. Yeah, no, exactly. And he's like, because I'm willing to deal with whatever the repercussions are to be organic to how I think. Right. I don't. Yeah, he was like my heart, my head, my right. mouth. It's all the same. Exactly. It's all. Like, I don't. I don't think I really care about my people. I think, do I give a fuck about my people? Yeah. And if you give a fuck about your people, what they have going on in their lives and what happens to them if you step off your standards that are insane, it's it's something that keeps you so in line, professionally speaking. Or it should. I mean, and it right. also makes me look both ways before I cross the street. Because if I, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I, that doesn't benefit me either. Yeah. So... Um, I want to read this because um, I think it's a, a great ending to yeah. this. And it, uh, somebody else I do a podcast with, he was trying to think of it, and then he couldn't find it, so he texted it to me later. Yeah. And I think it's a great finish to this. Because you know, we talked about like the um, the choice, yeah, right, right or left. Yep. Do you out, or, out front or back? You can't know what the other choice would have been. No. And he sent this to me. He goes, his philosophy is that the current version of me is the one that has survived. Every other possible chain where I could have died, that one did. But this timeline I'm in, I survived. Right. And he goes, I think of it like I've been given infinite chances. Every time I have a scary moment or an oh shit, a different timeline version of me just died. But I got to keep going. Right. You know, and I... I it, That's it, it to me. I, I like, like that a lot. Because... Whether you, I, I used this example the other day with the, my, the older gentleman. I was like, if you walk out the back door mm-hmm. and you're just fine, you're into the parking lot and you're walk to your car and you're fine. Yep. But what if you walk out the front door and a car loses control, goes off the side, you go across the sidewalk and kills you. Yep. Right. But you could also walk out the back door and someone didn't hit the brake and they hit the gas and they drove right into yep. you into the building. Yep. But either direction you go, you'll never know what could have happened the other way. Yep, exactly. That that's so that, the I like that a lot. You know, so it's like Gary Vee says, he goes, flip the fucking coin. Yeah. Right? Like, don't stand there and not go anywhere at all. No. Flip a coin. Because no matter what, you'll never know what B No. You'll been. never know. And one of the things and and I'll I'll close out on this too. One of the things that I in in matters of in matters of that really come down, and there's still some with all the data on the planet, there are some decisions that still at the end of the day come down to gut, yeah. where you don't know what the opposite decision looks like either. And one of the things I say all the time is, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. Absolutely. I'm going down throwing haymakers. Yeah. Because with all the data, with all the Google, with all the Google Analytics and all the other analytical things out there that tell you what should happen, there are still some decisions that ultimately come down to a 51-49 and you got to just go with what your gut says to go with. Yeah. And people will say, you know, you were just so sure to go there. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But what was sitting there for three hours waiting to make a decision going to do? Right. I've got my gut and I've got the data. The data is not giving me a clear answer. I know what my gut says because I always know what my gut says. Right. And I'm just going to throw haymakers until I either, you know, knock the devil out or I get knocked out. One of, yeah. those two, one of the two things is going to happen. And that goes back to having zero expectations. Zero, yep. Because you don't – I always say um, take the ball and run. Have to. Just so like, you know what? Just Forrest Gump it, man. Here just, you go. Here's what you got. Here, you made the choice. Yep. Here's your outcome. 
Cool, got it. Let's go. Exactly. Right? Take the ball and run. Exactly. So I'm going to know that. Absolutely. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Cool. Perfect.